Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, if you have been checking the Voice America website to see what the topic is for today uh, for my show, you will see it is supposed to be Guru on the Couch. And uh, the description reads, Who is Dr. John Demartini and what can he teach you that will enhance your life? He is a part of the story of the secret a mind-altering phenomenon that is being passed on from enlightened convert to convert and will soon no longer be a secret. At age six, he was told he had a learning disability and would never read, write, or communicate. Since then, he has been driven to become an international speaker and author on a mission to help, heal, and inspire. But life isn't always easy as a guru, as you will discover when Dr. Carroll puts him on the couch. Now, I guess that that's really true because my guru <laughs> uh, is nowhere to be found at the moment. We are we are locating him. We are trying to locate him. So I will start the show without my guru and see um, see I'll give you sort of a a, um, a preface uh, or an introduction. And um, maybe gurus don't like to be put on the couch. That could be the problem. But um, I will give you a little uh, introduction, as I said, to why uh, I invited Dr. Demartini to be on my show today. First of all, um, you may have already heard of this uh, new phenomenon, this DVD called The Secret. It's a DVD of philosophers. There are a number of people, um, uh, motivational speakers, self-help speakers, uh, philosophers, gurus of various types who are on uh, the DVD, who, who are revealing the secret. It's sort of like having um, a number of people who uh, whose philosophies aren't exactly the same, but whose are similar enough so that they can kind of um, touch this elephant in the room, which is the secret, and um, talk about it from their perspective. And it all coalesces in a in a very wonderful and inspirational uh, story, uh, a story that really can change your life. And um, it's not, you know, a, a friend recommended it to me, and um, uh, what she said was it's not anything that you don't already know, but the way it's put together really drives the story home. And so um, Dr. Demartini is one of the people on this uh, DVD, and um, after I had ordered it and, and hadn't yet looked at it, I hadn't. I had just gotten it. Um, I got a postcard in the mail that uh, said, "Is there more to your existence than meets the eye?" And uh, it says, "Join join this luminary of the secret as Demartini reveals the essential keys to master all areas of life." And. Um, he was going to be in L.A., um, and actually it was a week ago that I attended his first seminar, which was Relationships, Love versus Illusion. And um, it was a very interesting experience, but um, there were things that I felt strongly in agreement with and thought were very enlightening, you know, look, talking about things, you know, 
in a different way. I mean, sometimes you, the the same um, knowledge can be under your right before your eyes, and somebody will talk about it in a slightly different way, and um, it, it sort of brings it more to life. And I think we all need to be on a path of continual growth, continual learning. And it was in that spirit that I attended the seminar. And um, the the um, the secret, but the only problem with talking about the secret is that once you talk about the secret, it's not a secret anymore. But it's it's actually not going to be a secret anymore very soon anyway because a number of the people who um, are speakers on the secret will be on Oprah and the whole world will start buying this. So I'm kind of giving you a heads up if you haven't heard about it before. Um, it's interesting because some of the things that are talked about in The Secret I actually had had read about before or thought about before and put some of these things, not in exactly the same form, but um, in a chapter of my book, um, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted, there's a chapter on uh, survival tips. And these survival tips are not just things or not even predominantly things like um, putting a survival kit together, uh, duct tape and all, but really are more about the things that you need to know to... Um, to enhance your life now because looking at terrorism, uh, facing terrorism, uh, living under the threat of terrorism and coping with that really has to do with coping with mortality and realizing that one's mortality um, may be coming sooner than we had each thought about if terrorists have their way. And so it's really a lot, a lot of the book has to do with how to enhance your life, how to take something positive from this threat and change your life to live it now um, in the ideal way that you would like and to follow your dreams now and to, to start following them now and to, um, to learn more how to do that. And uh, there are certain, certain ideas that I put forth as, as to how to do that. Um, and some of them are included, actually, in the secret. So um, when I went into the seminar, um, which was held in a hotel near the L.A. airport, um, I really was hoping, you know, it was sort of in, in anticipation of learning a lot, hoping to um, learn more, um, to grow, and to see what somebody else's perspective uh, is particularly, I mean, this um, talk on relationships. You know, also I had written a book a few years back called Bad Boys. So, uh, why we love them, how to live them, how to live with them, and when to leave them. And so, obviously, relationships is a topic that I'm very interested in. Um, and I started off by being. I got there a little early. And I started off being in the back of the room looking at some of the books and, and um, tapes and materials that Dr. DiMartini has. He's the author of 40 books, and he has DVDs and CDs and, and um, really um, a lot of material that, um, that one can learn from. And so I was perusing these and um, came upon a woman who um, said she seemed to be somewhat of a groupie and a woman who said that uh, she had been following Dr. DiMartini um, for the past year and a half, which just makes me think maybe she knows where he is today. 
Um, <laughs> but in any case, uh, I so I asked her, you know, well, that, that's tell me what you've been following all this. You know, it seemed like she bought all his books, listened to all his tapes and CDs and DVDs, and and really. Um, entrenched herself in what he had to say. And I said, um, tell me, has your life changed in the past year and a half? And she said, oh, yes, it's changed tremendously. Um, she started off by saying that, um, well, she said some people would say that it didn't change in a good way or a traditional way, but um, I think that, um, you know, I've changed my life and it's great. And she started talking about how she sold her home and she is renting another home because, um, or an apartment because, uh, that that seemed to be the better thing to do financially because the real estate market was very high where she was living. And presumably she used some of that money to then take a trip around the world for about the past year. And part of that time she went to two seminars that Dr. DiMartini was giving in other parts of the world. And um, she said, um, so it was sounding really good, you know, taking the risk of selling your home and, and uh, taking some of that money and traveling around the world. That sounds great. And, and her idea was, you know, to find her mission because that's what Dr. DiMartini talks about, how important it is to find your own mission in life. And so it all sounded great until she then said that part of the changes included her leaving her three children who were less than eight years old, with their father. So apparently finding her mission did not include being a mother in life. Um, being, uh, being a mother wasn't her mission. And that actually, as a psychiatrist, you can well imagine, um, that this, this you know, seems somewhat, um, what, self-centered, um, perhaps, you know, finding her mission but then damaging her children and um, gave me pause. And I was hoping, actually, to have the chance to talk about that and many other things with Dr. DiMartini during this hour. And baby, the guru will, will, will find him yet, and he will find his way to my couch. Let's hope. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on voiceamerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on voiceamerica.com. What does it take to get your business online? How do you leverage the Internet to attract more clients, expand your network, and make more money? What are the tools you need to master? It's not enough to know the tools. You need to build a solid foundation and actually implement systems that automate your business as much as possible. On Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff, the Blog Squad, learn about new tools that are easy and essential to use in order to grow your business online. Get strategies, tactics, and tips that 
that work if you implement them. Denise and Patsy interview internet marketing experts, plus coach a client in real time through the steps designed to market a real product or service. Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff broadcasts each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Blogging and Beyond, leverage the internet to attract, sell, and profit online. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. And you know, it is really true if you... um, Think hard enough and you write things down and you visualize them, you can manifest them. And indeed, I have manifested one guru. Welcome to the show, Dr. John Martinez. Thank you for having me. We've had some fun this morning. (laughs) Yes, yes, I know. You were just trying to bring me to my higher self by not being there for the first 15 minutes of the show, and it worked. Um. I uh I was at your I was trying just b- during the break I was trying to uh to catch Dr. DiMartini up Dr. DiMartini in case you missed the beginning is an international um, speaker and author and um, I and and guru and you'll explain you'll see why I'm I'm calling you that uh, the show actually is called today Guru on the Couch, except you weren't. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're in Freud's lap now. <laughs> well, that's right. Um, and uh, so I was at your your conference at the hotel at the um, Marriott. I mean, yes, the Marriott. Um, the, the first lecture: relationships, love versus illusion. And I actually didn't come up to you afterwards. I was tempted to, but I was sort of um, struggling with some things that I thought were really great about what happened that night and things that I was thinking about that weren't all that great. And until I had sort of processed it, I didn't really uh, didn't really know what I wanted to say to you. I was telling somebody about this experience, and then I thought, you know, this would be a great thing to do <laughs> on the radio show. To um, I mean, I've read besides having gone through that particular lecture, I'm watching The Secret um, now. I hadn't before. I had I had ordered it, but I hadn't seen it yet. That by by that night, but that's what attracted me to come to your lecture. Um, and I've also read 95% of uh, the Breakthrough Experience, and we'll be finishing it tonight. 
Um, so, just so you know where I'm coming from. And before, during these past 15 minutes, um, I was telling my listeners about one of the things that, that I was t- talking about how I got to your seminar and one of the things that um, disturbed me And before I even sat down and heard one word. And that was that I, in the back, when I was looking at your books and uh, other materials, I met a woman who said she had been following you for the past year and a half. And, well, <laughs> stalking you. Well, almost. It sounded like that. Um, she did go to two of your lectures that were seminars. I, I guess they were longer seminars that you gave um, in different places around the world. She, she's from the States. And she talked about, I asked her what changes she had made in her life, and she talked about um, how she had sold her home and uh, was renting so that because of the, because that would bring her financial benefits because of, you know, the housing market. And presumably she used some of that money to take a trip around the world, and including going to your seminars. And she had steeped herself in all of your materials during this past uh, year and a half, and it did seem rather you know, a little obsessive, but I, I, you know, so far what she was saying sounded, I mean, she was in search of her mission, as you tell people to do, to be. And um, it all sounded great until she said that another part of finding her mission, or as she was finding her mission, she discovered that she it would be better if she put her three children who were under eight with their father. And she would sort of see them, you know, visit with them. I don't know how often we didn't get that far because I was somewhat aghast, to be, to, to tell you the truth. I mean, as a psychiatrist thinking about the psychological development of these three children, um, you know, I, I, so what it did was have the effect on me to think, huh, um, this, this this is a man who obviously has the power to um, create these kinds of groupies, but um, it, it was just kind of a big caution flag that went up. And I'm wondering what you do. I mean, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Or I, I think I know exactly who it is. <laughs> okay. And what do you do? Because, well, let me say also, which I, I didn't say yet, that um, I really enjoyed your talk what was really um what was really uh powerful was how you were so generous with yourself in terms of um your time i mean we went on way beyond what the lecture when the lecture was supposed to end you were obviously sincere and passionate about your message and um what do you do to, I mean, of course you want people uh, to buy your books and tapes just as I do um, for, for mine and yours, but what do you do to sort of, um, do you worry about people um, getting, people who, you know, are coming from a place where maybe they're very needy of, of this kind of a message or um, that they just get, consumed with this and and may make changes that really you might not have had in mind well you know i've had been blessed with uh speaking now for 34 years and i have had almost every imaginable response to my presentation i mean i get them the most uh, wild <laughs> responses and I can't take accountability for all of them. There's just no way. No, I'm not asking. And, 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 and I, what I advise and what people do are not always what I advise by any means. And people interpret things in their own way so they can justify their value systems. But I know enough, I think I know who you're talking about. And she, um, 
is definitely she has a company that uh, allows her to have income whether she's working or not. Mm-hmm. She did want to make sure she capitalized on her property um, while the, par- the market was going down. It said down, so she felt she better sell that and rent temporarily for the next couple of years. Uh, she did want to travel. That's been one of her dreams, and she's felt trapped and tied down. Um, her husband, I believe, really, really wanted to spend time with the kids, and she's been kind of, in the past, she was kind of angry, I think, and didn't want him to be around him as da-da-da. And I think that this is a way that they got to bond. She's letting her husband, I think, bond with the kids some while she took a trip. And she went on a tour, I think, for about a month or so, a month and a half, and went to two or three different locations and just figured she'd just educate herself and focus on developing what she really wanted to do in her life. So, you know, if on first glance that might sound more radical than when you actually look at it. Uh-huh. And then um, I know that she absolutely loves her kids, and uh, her kids I'm, I know love her. I'm sure they do. And so put that in context, it's not quite as radical as it might have sounded at first. But I also know that, that, you know, that's not necessarily what I advise. That's what people do. I certainly don't uh, tell people, you know, you know, walk away from your kiddos or dump your kids somewhere or whatever. In fact, I have programs to help people who are in that situation. But I can't always guarantee what people are going to do. I mean, I have people sometimes that, that uh, leave their husband, and their husband calls and says, they came to your program and they did it. And then I say, well, did you know they've had an affair for eight years? <laughs> And they decided to, after that, they just said that instead of living a lie, they decided to get truthful to themselves. And then I've had other people that uh, join and get married and remarry. And I mean, I've had every imaginable thing from the most uh, extremes of reuniting. Like I had a lady yesterday that hadn't talked to her mother, or day before yesterday, hadn't talked to her mother in 30 years, that now finally has communicated with her mother at the seminar after she did this process called the Demartini Method. So I have the whole gamut that I'm faced with. And uh, I can't really take credit or blame for everything because it's just, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, what I intend and what people do are two different things sometimes. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> I, I don't, do, you, do you know everything that is on, I mean, imagine if you had to deal with everybody's response from your radio show. And, and, and whatever happened, they, they said it was because of you. You can't. You, you, you can't even know, you don't even know what they do out there. There's yes. no way. I, I have sometimes people that in the relationships, uh, in the seminars, they they meet people and they have, you know, connections with people. And uh, they're both married. And, and uh, the parent, the, the, the what do you call it, the husbands and wives think that they were at my seminar and that's because of the seminar. And I, it had nothing to do with the seminar, nothing to do with what I taught. I was talking a program on finances and they do it. So I had nothing to do with even relationship dynamics. But they'll... They'll have, uh, because of obviously things that are not going and fulfilling in their relationship, they'll have a fling sometimes. And, um, you know, that's their business. I can't, I can't be accountable for their business. Mm-hmm. That's their life. They're, they do foolish things. They pay consequences of it. Well, yes, I actually, I read about the, um, the, the story that you were telling about the, the woman who was having an affair who came to your seminar and you, were you concerned when you told that to the husband that did you know she was having an affair for eight years that that was well I had the right to do that oh. because uh, in the seminar you know that was one of the things we discussed and I she was going to communicate with him and finally get it out that's what happened and and she did she did so he did know but at first he was still upset because he thought well the seminar made her do that but the reality is that she was hiding it and what the seminar did is made her obviously in her own mind even that was not my suggestion um, you know, I tried to help her appreciate and love her husband and consider that because I think she was off on an infatuation. But apparently she had been pretty well involved in this other person for a long enough period of time, more than I even realized. Um, 
and she just finally said, I made a decision. And so, you know, that's the way life is. I can't, I, I can't make that a bad or a good. I just say that's what happens in life. It happens in many relationships. So I'm not, I, I'm interested in helping people. Um, uh, you know, some people, when they go through that, they, after they've gone through that, they beat themselves up and they, they sabotage their rest of life because they feel like they've done something evil. And to me, I think that's ludicrous. I think that, that, that if you go through it, it's all about lessons in life and you learn lessons and, and, uh, you know, people have to be accountable for their own realities and they have to do it. But at the same time, they have to also get past it and move on. And so I try to help people move on in their life. Okay. Uh, that's good timing. I actually, you know, kind of what I wanted to talk about next actually just uh, flows from this because I would like you to talk about um, your own life journey, um, starting from when you were four years old and your mother told you to count your blessings, which then became a title of, was it your first book? or Well, not the first book, but one of the books, definitely. And um, because I think looking at, at your journey um, would help people awaken to things in their life that happens that could also set them on the path to uh, enlightenment or to wanting to help other people and um, that, that we're not recognizing, you know, that, that these messages come to all of us, but the, the trick is or the goal is to be awake to them. Well, I'll be glad to do that. Okay, sounds good. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is Dr. John DiMartini. He is uh, the, an international author and speaker and guru, so stay tuned. The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Muscular Development presents No Bull Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. No Bull Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture. 
who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dr. John Demartini the author of 40 books and countless uh, tapes and part of this new phenomenon that you will be hearing more about called The Secret. Um, I think the, the, what we can, um, I mean, there's so much, obviously, that you can talk about, but I think one of the best ways to learn that people learn is by hearing from um, another person's personal experience. And you've had a, a lot of um, fascinating personal experiences that brought you to where you are today. And, you know, of course, as a psychiatrist, and I do this to pretty much all my guests, put them on the couch, um, to, see, to see how they got from where they started to where they are. Um, so we, before the break, I was mentioning that I, I guess, at least from what, what I know, it would seem that the, one of the earliest experiences that uh, started shaping your life was when you were four years old and your mother told you to count your blessings. Without a question, uh, she's the one that's put me to sleep. And she said, son, before you go to sleep, before you go into the dream world, be sure to count your blessings because those that count their blessings and are grateful for life, they receive way more things to be grateful for. And since I was born on Thanksgiving Day, I think huh. that was appropriate. Oh, wow. So it definitely had an impact on my life. And, and as you, we, you stated earlier, that the book Count Your Blessings, one of my earlier books, um, is actually kind of dedicated to my wife and my mother and because of the gratitude that I have for both of them. Uh-huh. And then... Um you know, it's interesting that uh, that she had that one of the one of the main uh, principles that we that we still come back to today, or that we're first recognizing, is so important about um, that if you have gratitude for what you have, that your blessings will multiply. Mother's wisdom. <laughs> well, there's no doubt. As nothing, you know, I I think that the power of a mother who has love, like my mother had, um, and wisdom, um, are. You can't compare. They're just amazing. And I, I can look back and I can say that, thank God for both my parents. But I can say um, definitely for her because she gave me a great deal of philosophy. And I think I became involved in the healing arts because of her. And I, and my philosophy came from my dad. And I think that um, they both had an impact on me. And I think, you know, I I have probably, I don't know, I, I, mean, I have no way of comparison to all around the world, but I have one of the largest collections of things to be grateful for that I've ever seen. Nobody I know has ever had this large a collection. And I do it every day. I keep records of it every day of things I can be grateful for in my life. Yes, and that is um, very important. I mean, just to make sure to, to make sure people heard that that you're talking about writing it down, not to just. Uh, I, I document just every night. I've done it this morning already and last night. I mean, I've, I I have an extraordinary life. I, I don't ask to describe it. I think it's extraordinary because I really feel like it's amazing. I just go, my God, thank you, thank you, thank you all day long because there's so many things that go on during the day that are just amazing. I mean, the people I get to meet and the things I get to do and the travelings. I mean, I, I just got a letter in from Africa 
they're they're doing an amazing thing for me in in Africa for kids. We got a thousand kids that are impoverished that we're getting ready to do a program for. The mayor's going to be there. They're having television there. They're filming it. It's, I mean, it just I, I just go, God, thank you, universe, for giving me the opportunity to do these things. Okay, well, let's go to five years old. Um, when you were afraid of the dark, and your father gave you an affirmation. <laughs> Walk through the darkened doorway where fear lurks, and actively turn on the light. <laughs> yes. Well. Um, I guess that's the one that uh, kind of stuck with me, too, because I always realized that if you ever have a fear in your life, the wisest thing to do is to, one, see that it's an illusion and walk through it. Just come out on the other side of it. It dissolves. And uh, I always say that fear is basically an assumption that you're going to experience in the future through your senses or your imagination, more pain and pleasure, more loss and gain, more negative than positive from somebody or yourself. And the reality is it's an illusion. You walk through it and you come out on the other end and you find out that 99% of the fears were just they weren't even true. Okay, and when you were six or seven years old, you had a teacher who um, changed your life. When I was uh, six, almost seven, I had my first grade teacher, Mrs. McLaughlin, who sat my, well, first she put me in the in a regular reading class, and I didn't do well there, and so she put me in a remedial reading class, and then finally she put me in the kind of the dump circle. And then finally she had my parents come to the school, and we sat in a little reading circle in front of the reading board and she said uh, to my parents she says I'm afraid your son has got learning problems and learning disabilities and I'm afraid he'll never be able to read write or communicate never mount to thing, never go very far in life so that was a void that uh, was a you know a challenge for about a decade and then it turned out to be the greatest turning point so I I can look back and say thank you to her for sure now because that's what I do today <laughs> yes it gave you the inspiration to sort of prove her wrong well, I wouldn't say that because I don't ever really. I'm grateful for her. I don't. I never saw it as a proof to, to prove her wrong. I never was angry at her. I was just realized that it's what what she was saying was partly true at the time, and I just I met a person ten years later that had an impact on me that that turned it around, and then I realized that the very things she said just happened to be the things that I, I guess you could say, conquered or mastered or whatever that I was inspired by. So I think what she did is she created the perfect void for me to to fill. And uh, so I look back now and I say thank you. Anything that's happened in your life you can't say thank you for is is something you haven't really tre- seen truthfully. Okay, and before we get to that later part, your mentor um, who helped turn, helped you turn that around, uh, there's also during your childhood there was a Mrs. Grubbs. Yeah, Mrs. Grubbs. Well, you got all the details. It's great. <laughs> Mrs. Grubbs uh, was a lady that lived next door. I met her when I was very young. And uh, she was about 84 years old. She had a beautiful backyard filled with gardens and stuff. And I used to work and help her in the gardens. And she had hummingbirds and stuff and planters and things. And she was so seeing me pull weeds around the house. And she leaned over the fence one time in her little hoe. And she she said, uh, John, if you don't plant flowers or you know in your garden, you're going to forever pull weeds. Because I kept pulling weeds. And I'd, by the time I finished, I'd have to pull them again. And so she's the one that taught me you know, to plant flowers. So that's a metaphor for the mind. If you don't plant in your mind what you really, really want in life, which is the law of the secret, the secret law of attraction, then you're going to keep pulling weeds. And that's such a true wisdom, and so I thank her in my life. And um, Mrs. McLaughlin, this uh, first-grade teacher, um, told your parents also that because she didn't think you would amount to anything um, in terms of academics or education, that you should go into sports. And yep. so. You started to develop a love of surfing, and well, first I got into baseball, and I really excelled in baseball until my parents moved, and then we were way out in the middle of the country, 
and the baseball there was just nothing like the same. I mean, I mean, it was gangs and stuff playing ball, and they were ready to kill each other. It was crazy. So I gave up baseball. I said, I can't handle it here. And I wanted to go where I at least had command over things, and I and I had already tried surfing, and I learned a lot about surfing. So I, I decided I'm going to go surfing. I'm going to. This is something I know I can do. I'm good at it, and I went for it. Well, now, did you were you surfing at home before you left home, or did you? No, I surfed in in, uh, in my parents lived in Rich in Houston, Texas, in Richmond, Texas. It's about uh, not quite an hour away from the Gulf of Mexico, where there is surf. It's not the greatest surf, but there is some great surf sometimes. And I started hitchhiking, and I lived down at the beach when I was uh, 14 years old. And um, so I I basically, that summer, I lived at the beach and stayed there all summer by myself and lived in the tents or on the grounds or whatever. And and just um, then I eventually went to California to surf. Well, well, that's one of the... that's one of the questions I had. You dropped out of school at fourteen, right? Yeah. Well, I, I tried to go. I tried to go on to school beyond that, but it just didn't work. So, uh, fourteen is when I, I kind of officially went out. You mean because it was sort of frustrating? Well, I tried to hitchhike into Houston, where I was. At, the school I was going to was just too wild and crazy. It was, it was a very so, low socioeconomic thing, and it was just I was getting beat up every day, and it was gangs, and it was this stuff. And so I hitchhiked to Houston, where I where I really wanted to live. And tried to go to school there and realized it just wasn't working because hitchhiking every morning to 30 miles was not easy to go to school. And so I eventually uh, dropped out and I said, I'm just going surfing. That's the only thing that's going to work. And your parents let you? Yeah, my parents saw that I was not going to make it to school because I was failing. And they um, they just felt that the wisest thing that they could do is support the, the goal that I was inspired by which I, I believe today is still true. You've got to find out what people's individual values are and help them find that and go for it. And they gave me a notarized, they, they helped me get a notarized piece of paper saying that my son was not a runaway, he's not a boy, you know, he's not a vagrant, he's just a young boy with a dream. And he literally, they, they typed that up and we got it signed and so I could show policemen if I ever got pulled over or, you know, stopped or anything. And they dropped me off on Interstate 10 and off I went to California. And you you said that this was partly um, they let you go because this, it had been your father's dream after the war to um, to go to California. Yeah, see, he he left. He came back from the war. He went. He was in the Northeast, in New York, New Jersey area, and his dream was to go to California, which is where I am right now. And he um, took off across the country, and I think he did it mainly in buses. And he got he, he ran out of money apparently and got a job in San Antonio, Texas. And there with Hudson Engineering, he was an engineer, and there he met my mom and he got transferred to Houston and he never made it to California. Hmm. And I think that, I'm guessing, I never really had a big discussion about it, but I really think that when he saw that I wanted to go to California, I think he was living vicarious through me and he says, go, make it, because he always wanted to go. And I guess, you know, that was part of it. That's a little piece of it. I don't know if that's all of it, but I know that... My uh, mother and father just felt that the, that I wasn't doing well where they lived, and it was not going to work. And I and there wasn't a lot of alternative school systems, and so I think they just they thought that was the best thing they could do for me. They obviously must have had a lot of um, trust in you. That I mean, to, to let a 14-year-old boy uh, go off on his own. Well, I was 180 pounds. I was bodybuilding. I was the same height I am now, five foot ten, and I was much more mature hung out with all the older kids so i guess they believed i was like an 18 year old I see. okay well when we come back we'll continue with dr john demartini's journey uh, so that you can better understand why he is so inspired to inspire you 
You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and stay tuned. The authority in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, echopreneur, author, and green living maven, brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily. From hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products, get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, broadcast each Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Live in the green life for a human, healthy, and planet-friendly lifestyle. Whether by choice or by circumstance, the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children, our neighborhoods, and our communities is staggering. How can we interrupt this pattern of violence, gang activity, drug use, and sexual activity among our fatherless children? On Changing a Generation, with author, inspirational speaker, life coach, and host, Terrence Wilson, the focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams. Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships, becoming an entrepreneur, and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children. Changing a Generation with Terrence Wilson broadcasts each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation, bringing a message of deliverance to the fatherless on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My uh, guest today is Dr. John Demartini, the guru on the couch. And we've been following his uh, journey through life so that... uh, you can sort of connect and relate to that so that when similar things happen to you, you realize that this might be the universe speaking to you and trying to help you go on your path. Um, We left off where you were starting to hitchhike to California and you stopped in El Paso. Well, what happened is Interstate 10 was being built at the time and it wasn't complete in El Paso. 
And so you had to go through the downtown area at that point with a ride. And I got dropped off downtown, so I had to walk through downtown to come out on the other side to get a ride again. As I was walking through downtown, I got confronted by three cowboys that were coming down the street. In those days, cowboys and surfers did not get along. They were brawls sometimes. And we called them the white necks and the red necks. And uh, so I realized I was about to be confronted. I realized I had a headband, I had a surfboard, a duffel bag, and I realized I couldn't go into the shops, I couldn't go out in the street, I couldn't outrun them, I had to confront them. And my inner voice told me what to do, and it said to bark and growl at them, scare them with growling. And so I started growling at these guys, and they moved aside, and I went through them, and somehow my intuition told me what to do, and it, it took care of it. They didn't bother me. kind of freaked them out. And then as I came up to the next corner walking, there was a bum on the corner who saw me doing that, who was just laughing. He was leaning over laughing so hard. He saw that. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. He came up to me, and he said, "Funny, Sonny, that's the funniest dang thing I've ever seen. Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And I said, I don't drink coffee. He said, can I buy you a cup of Coke? A Coke? And I said, well, yes, sir. And we walked up a couple blocks to a malt shop with the swiveling stools, you know, where they turn around. Mm-hmm. We sat there, and we had, you know, Coke. And he said, son, are you a runaway? And I said, no, my parents gave me a ride to the freeway. He says, are you, a, a, you, you going to California to serve? I said, yeah. Do you drop out of school? Yeah. He says, Sonny, when you finish a Coke, I want to take you someplace. I want to teach you something, and I want you to follow me. So he took me to the downtown El Paso library. He sat me down at one of the tables at the library. He walked off in the bookshelves, came back with two books, sat them down on the table in front of me. He looked at me, turned to me, and he said, Sonny, I have two things that I want to teach you, and I want you to never forget these. I said, yes, sir. He said, number one, he says, don't ever judge a book by its cover. It will fool you. And I said, yes, sir. And he says, let me tell you why. He says, I'll bet you think I'm a bum. And I'm thinking to myself, well, he looks like one. And he says, I'm one of the wealthiest men in the world. I have everything that money can buy. I have ships and cars and planes and homes. He says, but you see, Sonny, a year ago, somebody very special to me passed away. And when they did, I thought, reflected on my life, and I thought, I've had so much, I've been so fortunate, I want to know what it's like to have nothing. So I decided to spend some time on the streets to have nothing, to know what it's like, so people, so I can relate to people. And he says, and number two, and he put my hand, my right hand, on top of those books, which are Plato and Aristotle. He says, young man, you learn how to read, boy. You learn how to read, because there's only two things they can ever take away from you, and that's your love and your wisdom. And uh, you learn how to read, boy. And um, so... He then put the books back. He, it made me, you know, confirm that I would remember that, which I've never forgotten. And he walked me back down and showed me where the highway was again, and off I went. And I didn't realize the significance of that, you know, at the time. Looking back now, I realized that that was a guide. He was a surrogate father. If you look, if you hitchhike across the world and your parents drop you off, I always say that the master lives in a world of transformation, never the assumptions of gain and loss. And what happens is mothers and father images show up to give you rides. And so you get surrogate forms of mother and father all along the way, so nothing's ever missing. And he was one of the surrogate father forms. And he was trying to tell me probably what my parents would love to see, but he was the one guiding me and trying to say to learn how to read, which later, when I learned how to read it at 17, was a catalyst. So from the first grade saying I would never be able to read to a person to say go and learn how to read to finally meeting somebody who said you're a genius, you can read, uh, that was a major turning point. Yes, and let's uh, go flash to 17 when you were in Hawaii and dying of strychnine poisoning. Yeah, I had... uh, How did you get strychnine poisoning? uh, Well, there was a plant there on the north shore of Oahu that grew on the beach called the Hawaiian baby woodrose, 
and it has uh, hallucinogenic properties, which mm. the hippie surfers used to eat. And it also is covered in strychnine. So you you go to the pumice rocks and you scrape off the strychnine, but I didn't do it very well. Mm. And I started accumulating it. Didn't realize I was doing it because I surfed like 10, 11 hours a day. So I I assumed that my Charlie horses that were developing were just because of electrolytes. So I was eating fruit juice and drinking that and bananas and stuff, thinking I would help. And it just got worse and worse and worse until finally I started looking like Joe Cocker. I started having real bad spasms, and it started going further up into my body. And finally it stopped my diaphragm and almost died of asphyxia. And uh, so it was it was a real bout there for three or four days. And um, if it wasn't for a lady that found me in my tent, um, I probably wouldn't be here today. And she's led you to a store um. she she after three or four days of cleaning up the tent and helping me out because I had pretty well catharsed uh, she helped me get to a little health food store where I could drink some carrot juice and that was the only thing I could stomach it seemed like everything else was coming back out so I stomached that and I started going to health food store every day and it's there that I met a, a, this yogi this white afro yogi guy who told me man you're screwed up you need to take a yoga class to get mind over matter and I didn't think anything of it, but when I was leaving a couple of days later of that little health food store, I saw a sign talking about a special guest speaker at a yoga class. So I thought, well, i got nothing to lose. The surf is down. Let's go to this class. And I went there, and that's when I met Paul Bragg. And that guy turned my life 180 degrees. And, and his message was? Well, he said that you have a body, mind, and spirit, and he said the body must be guided by the mind, and the mind must be guided by the soul, and if you uh, if you allow that to occur, then you, something extraordinary will come out of you, and you have something great to do with the world, and he said to set goals for 100 years, and he said to make sure you have goals for yourself, your community, your, your family, your community, your city, your state, your nation, your world, and you, you know, God doesn't make little stuff, you're big stuff. And he said, uh, he taught me a lot of stuff. I mean, it was amazing. For 45 minutes, I'd never heard anything like this. And uh, then he said, uh, tonight you're going to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. I'll give you 10 minutes to think about what you want to dedicate to, because whatever it is, that's what's going to come true. And I sat on the floor, and I scanned my life, and I saw my first grade teacher saying I'd never read, write, or communicate, never amount to anything, never go very far in life. I saw me hitchhiking and the, the bum telling me to read and learn to love and and then I saw myself in the tent, almost dead. And then I saw Paul Bragg alive and inspired. And I just, it came to me. I just said, I know what I want to do. I, I want to dedicate my life to the study of these things he's calling universal laws as it relates to body, mind, and spirit, uh, and particularly as it relates to healing because of my health issue. And I want to travel the world and step foot in every country on the face of the earth and share my research findings with people and, and live an amazing life and a privileged life and try to do everything I can to inspire other people to recognize their magnificence. And that was God, it was a dream that I've been working on absolutely diligently for 34 years now. And it's uh, and it's obviously you've obviously been manifesting it. You know, you talked about the guided imagery that Dr. Bragg um, uh, gave you, and and what you saw, which was yourself on a balcony overlooking um, a throng of people listening to your message. Well, I walked through what it was. Is I I I'll never forget the vision. I I walked. I was walking through a stoned archway. And there were men on either side. It was not that wide, and it was dark, and just enough light to see them, silhouettes of them. And I walked through, and then I walked out onto a balcony about 40 feet up above a giant square, um, and looked out, and there was a million people, I would guess, out in front. And I was speaking about the power of spiritual healing, the power of our healing capacities. And it was... Um, 
it was so vivid, it was so real, it was so all the senses were animated by it. I was literally inspired to such a degree I was in tears and like an epiphany and I from that moment I um I must have been in that vision for fifteen minutes or plus, I don't know. I came back into the room where everybody was, I looked around the room and everybody in that room was in tears. Somehow they all got something. Mm-hmm. I looked around the room and I looked up at the front of the room and Paul Bragg was sitting there with his hands on his knees, sitting straight up, his eyes uh, were closed, his head was looking up, and you could almost read his mind saying, thank you, dear God, for revealing to these young souls their destiny. Uh-huh. And you know what I found so fascinating about that? I mean, the whole thing is, is, very, is fascinating, but it, it, there, there's something almost Pope-like in that, you know? The Pope comes out to the balcony in... in uh, and and speaks to his people at uh, Christmas and so on, and it was almost you know. It kind I, uh, of you know what? It, it, if there's any place in the world that I've checked, that's the closest view is that that balcony. Yeah. So it's, I, I do believe there's something truthful there. And and it kind of brings us full circle and just in time, <laughs> um, because it, it goes back to this this guru and and of course with the uh, with these revelations and these teachings, of course come come the vast responsibility which you um you know which which I, i'm sure you're mindful of i mean obviously you're mindful of well you know you can't no matter even with the pope sharing his message you know there's millions of variations of catholicism in the world so you yes. you can just do so much you can only guide you cannot always always hold their hands and the people uh, in the audience take uh, their own unique uh, message they spin that they spin it through their value system that's right well, thank you very much, Dr. John DiMartini, international author and speaker. And let me uh, give you his website. I mean, we're just sort of touching the surface. I hope to have you back, even, <laughs> even though I put you on my couch. <laughs> well, I'd be glad to answer any questions. I don't. I love questions. Okay. And um, Dr. DiMartini's website is drdimartini.com, which is D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. And again, thank you very much. And all of you, I hope you will reflect upon uh, Dr. DiMartini's story and think about moments in your life, throughout your childhood, throughout your life, um, where people, guides, were put there for you. Guides are put there for all of us. It's just that we need to sort of pay attention to them and, and be open, open our hearts and our minds to their teachings. So I, that's the message for today. And thank you all for listening. This is Dr. Carol Lieberman, your psychiatrist host, and you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.